Good morning, and welcome to Faithbrook. My name is Josh Friesen, and I'm one of the volunteer hosts here at Faithbrook. Whether you're joining us in person or online, we're so thankful and excited that you've joined us for worship today. At Faithbrook, we don't want anybody to feel like just a number. So, if you're newer here, in the seat in front of you, there's a blue Connect card. Feel free to fill that out and drop it in the giving box on the way out today after the service. Or, you can fill one out online at faithbrook.church connect. As you can see, at Faithbrook, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. We love Christmas and would love for you to invite some of your friends and family to join us during this joyous season. On December 18th, we're gonna have a very special service. The kids here at Faithbrook are gonna lead us in worship that day. It's gonna be a great Sunday with all sorts of cuteness. With all that cuteness, is gonna come some extended friends and family to that service. So, a couple tips that day. Maybe try to arrive a little bit earlier to beat the rush and carpool if you can. Then on Christmas weekend, Christmas Eve, Saturday, December 24th, we'll be having two services, one at two o'clock and one at 3.30. At the end of both services, we'll be singing Silent Night by Candlelight. Also, both services will have childcare for infants and preschool kids. And then on Sunday, Christmas Day, the 25th, we will not be having a church service here that day. We're so excited about Christmas here at Faithbrook, and we hope this season will be joyous and memorable for your friends and family as well. Well, in just a moment, we're gonna welcome our lead pastor, Jim Comfort, as we begin our new series, It's a Wonderful Christmas. How many of you are familiar with the old movie, It's a Wonderful Life? Um, it's, this movie is an older movie, maybe old as the hills, but it is a classic in Americana. They say it's one of the greatest films of all time, especially during the Christmas season. It's a Wonderful Life was nominated to five Academy Awards, including Best Picture, and it's been recognized by the American Film Institution as one of the top 100 movies in America ever produced. Well, this movie, It's a Wonderful Life, is kind of our theme and our backdrop of our series here at Faithbrook, and we're calling it It's a Wonderful Christmas. And we're so glad that you have come this morning. Maybe you are uh, watching online. We want to welcome you to Bedford Falls, right? And uh, tis the season. It's a great time this season just to center in and to celebrate our coming Christ. Well, like I said, it's uh, Old as the Hills, the movie. The other week, they asked the teenagers and their youth group on Wednesday night, how many of you ever heard of It's a Wonderful Life? And a lot of the teenagers, no, I've, I've never heard that before. Of course, when it was produced in wartime in 1943, uh, they didn't even have the technology to make it in color. Why would they know about this movie? Well, it stars one of the iconic um, um, actors in America, Jimmy Stewart, who plays George Bailey. And George Bailey has given up many of his personal dreams in order to help his community and family. But it seems that every time George Bailey takes a step forward, there's all kinds of calamities and problems that set him back. Before you know it, he's a man that's deeply discouraged. 
And the writer, Philip Stern, placed this movie in the Christmas time. And of course, it all climaxes on Christmas Eve. Well, have you ever had some setbacks or calamities during your Christmas seasons? Just because it's December doesn't mean that life stops. And a lot of times, life can bring us some uh, discouragements, some concerns, even some tragedies or things that can, can afflict us dearly. And in the movie, um, George Bailey is afflicted with a lot of stress, especially in the wartime. His bank that he started is, is in the balance, and all of a sudden, he gets some very, very frightening news. Let's take a look at this clip. Listen, listen, George. Thank Thank I can't think anymore, George. I can't think anymore. Where's that money, you silly, stupid old fool? Where's that money? Do you realize what this means? It means bankruptcy and scandal and prison. That's what it means. One of us is going to jail. Well, it's not going to be me. today about the parade, the banquet. Your mother's so excited. (laughs) Must she keep playing that? We could stay up till midnight and sing Christmas carols. Can you sing, Daddy? Better hurry and shave. The families will be here soon. Family? I I don't want the families over here. Come on out in the kitchen with me while I finish dinner. Excuse me! Excuse me! Have a hectic day? Oh, yeah. Another big red letter day for the Baileys. Daddy, the Browns next door have a new car. You should see it. Well, what's the matter with our car? Isn't it good enough for you? Yes, Daddy. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse you for what? I burped. All right, tell me your excuse. Now go on upstairs and see if little Zuzu wants anything. Zuzu? Well, what's the matter with Zuzu? Oh, 
Oh, she's got a cold. She's in bed. Caught it coming home from school. They gave her a flower for a prize, and she didn't want to crush it, so she didn't button up her coat. What is a sore throat or what? Just the cold. The doctor says it's not. The doctor? Was the doctor here? Yes, I called him right away. Said it's nothing to worry Is she about. running at temperature? What is that? Just a teensy one. 99.6. She'll be all right. Of course, it's this old house. I, I don't know why we don't all have pneumonia. Drafty old barn up place. Might as well be living in a refrigerator. Why do we have to live here in the first place and stay around this measly, crummy old town? George, what's wrong? Wrong everything, Troy. You call this a happy family. Why do we have to have all these kids? Dad, how do you spell Frankenstein? I don't know. If I ask your mother. Where are you going? Going up to see Zeus. You told me to write a play for tomorrow. George is having a bad day, would you say, right? Have you ever had a bad day, right? Has, have you ever had received some bad news or somebody let you down? Here was George Bailey trying to keep his bank alive, and then his, his co-worker, his uncle Billy, uh, misplaced $8,000. He didn't know where it went, and that put the bank in jeopardy. And in fact, uh, the the officials would probably see fraud happening. He was probably going to jail and his life was starting to melt down. A lot of times that can help, help happen to us when we receive bad news, when things aren't going well in our life. Not only just a, a low level of grumpiness, but sometimes we can act out and to be obnoxious and even embarrass ourselves when people fail us, when people hurt us. And sometimes we even can show it around our family. This next clip, it, it continues this theme as George is trying to deal with his emotions. He's overwhelmed and he's frightful and it's caving in in his life, spiraling into depression. Before you know it, man, we can easily lash out like George Bailey. Hello? Yes, this is Mrs. Bailey. Oh, thank you, Mrs. Welch. I'm sure she'll be all right. The doctor said that she ought to be out of bed in time to have her Christmas dinner. Is that Zuzu's teacher? Yes. Let me see. Hello. Hello, Mrs. Welch. Well, this is George Bailey. I'm Zuzu's father. Say, what kind of a teacher are you anyway? What do you mean sending her home like that, half naked? You realize she'll probably end up with pneumonia on account of you? George. Is this the sort of thing we pay taxes for, to have, teacher, have teachers like you, stupid, silly, careless people that send our kids home without any clothes on? You know, maybe my kids aren't the best dressed kids, and maybe they don't have any decent clothes. Oh, that's stupid. Hey, hello, Mrs. Welch. I, I want to apologize. Hello? Hello? She's hung up. I'll hang her up. What is that? Hello, who's this? Oh, Mr. Welch. Okay, that's fine, Mr. Welch. Give me a chance to tell you what I really think of your wife. George, Will you George. get out and let me handle this? Hello. Hello, what? Oh, you will, huh? Okay, Mr. Welch, anytime you think you're man enough, you... Hello. Any... Uh... How should I know? What do you think I am? A dictionary? Tommy, stop that. Stop it. Janie, haven't you learned that silly tune yet? You play it over and over again. Now stop it. Stop it.
George is spiraling into depression and anger. He's taken it out on his family and people in the community. And many times this can happen to our emotions. Many times we receive some upsetting news or things that easily anger us. Before we know it, we are crossing some lines. We are disappointing God. We're disappointing our family. We are losing our temper. And sometimes we even have to go back to apologize. That's how obnoxious we have been sometimes if we told the truth. Now, next week, we're going to explore more as George continues to spiral out of control. And he even comes to the point that he contemplates taking his own life. But life can be that serious. Life can be sometimes that agonizing. It reminds me of the people in the Old Testament that were going through some very painful times in their life. Some of you know that in the Old Testament, most of it's um, written about the storyline of the nation of Israel. And at one time, Israel was, uh, had its, one of its greatest days. They were the most prominent, powerful nation. The apple of God's eyes, led by their king, David, with their beautiful city of Jerusalem. And everyone around the world knew that the Israelites were doing super well. And God was so proud of them. But eventually, they would get self-centered they would get a little cocky, if you will, in confidence. And, and before you knew it, they kind of took their eyes off their God, Jehovah. They were inspired by other religions and other traditions around and, and started inviting them in their own place, in their own places of worship. And before you knew it, God was disappointed. God was heartbroken. And God would have to send a consequence and a reminder that you just can't take your eyes off of him without some consequences in your life. Pretty soon this showed up in their own personal dynamics of their society. They were fighting each other, hating each other. There was compromises, there was divisions. There was a uh, epic fracture of their nation where um, majority of the tribes went up north. They realigned themselves and redefined themselves as Judea. The remaining of the the tribes in the south continued to call themselves the nation of Israel, but they were fractured. They were broken. They were upset. Now, interesting enough that a lot of ministers will equate America to the nation of Israel. That at one time, America was more of a, a Christian nation, and the majority had the values, the convictions of what was in the Bible. But lately, we have kept are turned our eyes away from God and don't follow much of the Bible anymore. And many ministers would say, you better, what's hap- better watch out what happened to the Israelites that could happen to America. Well, in this infighting and in this meltdown, God would send a prophet. He started introducing these major prophets and these minor prophets. And, and prophets were a little di- different than the priests. Uh, the priests would take care of the everyday uh, traditions and responsibilities of the temples and the synagogues. But prophets, they were just a little different breed. They kind of kept to themselves. And they would hear from God. And they would be instituted as the voice of God. And, and then they'd walk into the audience of society and start speaking on behalf of God. And many times these minor prophets or major prophets of the Old Testament would not bring good news. In fact, a lot of them would bring some judgments, some, some consequences for the people's corruption, the people's selfishness, and strain away from the things of God. And every time a prophet would show up, a lot of times the people didn't want to hear him. The people avoided them. In fact, when what they would speak on behalf of God, it would upset them and anger them. 
one of the largest examples of a prophet or a prophecy in the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament. He is a major prophet. In fact, he's so major that there's 66 chapters of what God told him to speak to the people of Israel as they were waning away from God and turning their eyes off of the essentials of, of Jehovah God himself. And in this large book in the middle of the Old Testament, Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah would speak to the people of the coming destruction, that God was upset with them, that they should prepare themselves for a war. They should prepare themselves because they, God's hands of provision and protection were coming off, and their arch enemies, the Assyrians from the north, would come and take their city. Eventually, the Babylonians would drag them back to their places and enslave them. And it was an ugly time for the Israelites. And people were nervous. People were upset. They didn't want to hear it, and they were angered. Now, when you hear that your country is going to collapse, you too would be upset. Maybe upset like George Bailey. And things for them in the Old Testament, and sometimes for us, can become very dark and depressing. Before you know it, we're spiraling out of control like George Bailey from this bad news that can consume us and depress us. So what do you do when things are collapsing around your world? What do you do when you get that diagnosis from the doctors or that statement from the bank or a pink slip from the company or there's a a divorce hearing or separation in your marriage or a death of a loved one. What do you do when life is collapsing? What would George Bailey should have done? Well, if you go back in the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah was led by God, and he knew that what he was saying was not very well accepted, and people were getting upset. But in God's love and his sovereignty, he would insert what scholars would say later as Advent prophecies. If you look deep into the book of Isaiah, you'll see that this prophet Isaiah would insert some hope, some insert some truth, and we would call that today, he would insert Christmas. This nuggets of love that God would not leave them, that God knew what was the future, and he would insert these prophecies of this coming Messiah, this coming hope, this coming of this being of what we know as Jesus Christ. For the first time, we see these Advent prophecies in chapter 7, verse 14, where he said, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. In other words, people, I know it's dark, it's gloomy, but he's going to bring you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel. Now, in the Jewish tradition, they knew what that word meant. Emmanuel was someone that is with us, that walks with us. Now, the people didn't probably hear that verse. They didn't pay attention to that verse. But 3,000 years later, we understood what he meant by he will give you a sign. A virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. We kind of recall in the New Testament where Joseph heard the news that his his fiancée, Mary, was with with child. What's up with that? He was distraught. He was upset. And all of a sudden, an angel shows up. And says to him, do not be afraid, Joseph, to take Mary as your wife, because a child conceived in her is from God. In other words, his Holy Spirit. Later, Matthew would record it this way and bring in this Isaiah chapter 7 prophecy. 
All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, quoting Isaiah. The virgin will, will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Matthew started connecting the dots. He heard what Joseph said and Mary said, and in his Jewish tradition and knowing the Old Testament scriptures, he remembered the prophet Isaiah chapter 7 about you will be given a son called Emmanuel. And he writes that down. In the midst of discouragement, in the midst of the, the darkness of the Israelites' uh, storyline, God brings hope. And how does he bring hope? And who does he bring hope? He brings a son and gives him the name on purpose, Emmanuel. Not some God that's far off, that you cannot connect with, who doesn't care about you, and that you just better step up and obey the one who loves. Now, a lot of times it's very easy to forget that God is with us when our whole world is collapsing. Obviously, George Bailey's world was collapsing, and he wasn't thinking about the Emmanuel. But today we can remember and remind ourselves of the prophecies of Isaiah, the first one. Even in the midst of this proclamation that you deserve judgment, you deserve that you would be destroyed and exiled, but there God's love would still remain. That even in the midst of the darkness and the sadness and the grief and loss, God sends a savior, and he is the Christ. And this Christ, this God, is Emmanuel, who is with us. He is not a God that's some kind of myth or some religious belief but a real person who walks with us, who rose from the dead, who died on the cross, who is an historical figure that says, yes, I know your pain. I know where you're suffering and I will be with you. Now, I wonder if George Bailey would have acted different if he would have reminded himself that he had an Emmanuel, a God who cared about his pain, cared about his business, cared about his family and his disappointment. I wonder if George Bailey would act a little different if he would have reminded himself that there is a God who knows about suffering. There's a God who knows about betrayal. There's a God who knows about um, loneliness and has experienced that and suffered for himself. I wonder if George Bailey's reaction would have been different when he realized that there's a savior that we can cast all our cares, as Peter said, that because he cares for us, George I know what you're feeling. I want to help you through this. You don't have to melt down. You don't have to sin. You don't have to act out. I wonder if George Bailey would have had a better Christmas experience if he would have remembered that there is a God who would stand by him through thick or thin. You know, this Isaiah was directed by the Holy Spirit to remind the people, even though it was going to get dark, even though it's going to be calamity, even though there's going to be judgment and eventually exile, and it would, that there would be this God who would still be with them. In the middle of this large book, he brings some more hope. He brings some more love by God, and he writes in chapter 41, I took you from the ends of the earth, from its farthest corners, and I called you. He's speaking to his people, the people of Israel. I've said, you are my servant. I have chosen you and I have not rejected you, even though it feels like rejection, even though there's discipline happening in the life of Israel. So do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed 
for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Sometimes we go through some circumstances that it shakes us and it hurts us and it scares us. But God says, I reach out my right hand. You put your hand in my hand, and no matter how deep the valley is, how scary it gets, how dark it is, I will walk from you. This is a promise of God. It was for the Israelites and for us today, and it could have been for George Bailey. Now, what's interesting, that I would, I would submit to you that this is the nature of God. How do I know this is the nature of God? Because it shows up again in the life of Christ as Emmanuel this son of God who shows and as he uh, loves his disciples and and raises up these disciples, one of his last words after he commissions them, he says, surely I will be with you always, even to the ends of the earth. He realizes they will be going through some tough times. He realizes you and me go through some tough times and the promises of God from Israel to, I mean, from Isaiah to Matthew, it says, surely I will be with you always. I am the Emmanuel. This is the nature of God. Even in our darkest days, we have to remember that he will be with us. George Bailey felt so alone. Nobody understand what he was carrying. And he was acting out on this. But God so loved him. And the writer, Philip Stern, wrote in that God would intervene in George Bailey's life with a unique character. His name would be Clarence. And Clarence would be kind of a corny, frumpy, kind of older angel that was trying to get his, earn his wings by interceding for George Bailey. Now, George didn't realize this, but eventually he started realizing this guy was for real. And here's the account of this experience. Your lip's bleeding, George. Yeah. I got a bust in the jaw in answer to a prayer a little bit ago. Oh, no, 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 George. I'm the answer to your prayer. That's why I was sent down here. How'd you know my name? Oh, I know all about you. I've watched you grow up from a little boy. What are you, a mind reader or something? <laughs> well, who are you then? Clarence Oddbody, AS2. Oddbody. AS2, what, what, what's that, AS2? Angel, second class. Hey, what's, what's with you? What, what, what did you say just a minute ago? Why do you want to save me? That's what I was sent down for. I'm your guardian angel. I wouldn't be a bit surprised. Ridiculous of you to think of killing yourself for money. Eight thousand dollars. Yeah, now think, just things like that. Now, how do you know that? I told you I'm your guardian angel. I know everything about you. Mm-hmm. George gets intersected with this guardian angel. Now, it shouldn't surprise us that God would use an angel because he so loves you and me and loves this world because he is the Emmanuel that Isaiah was talking about that intersects with us no matter how dark it gets. And because of this hope and because of this nature of God, Christmas is wonderful because we have a God who is with us. Let's not forget this, but that no matter our circumstances, we can have a wonderful Christmas because God is with us. Is it not true that sometimes God uses 
circumstances and unusual um, vehicles to intercede and love us and show us like angels. Now, I'm, I'm not a big uh, promoter of angel. I think sometimes we can get all caught up in angel worship, but they are biblical and they are true. If you go back in the Christmas story, you'll see when, when Mary was really scared and she didn't know what to do with this news, it was an angel who comforted her. It, it was the, the Gabriel uh, angel that went for Joseph when Joseph was ready to just bail out of this courtship and this arrangement. And it was an angel that said, do not fear. For what's going on here is for with God. We see other excerpts of angels in the Bible. For instance, Christ himself, when he was going through his 40 days of temptation in the desert, uh, John writes that it was the angels who ministered to him, that were close to him in his anguish. Three years later, as he was fighting for his life in the Garden of Gethsemane, and the pressure was on and he was, he was so overwhelmed with his emotions that he was uh, spilling out blood that said that the angels were there to minister to him. In the darkest hour, God shows up. And with George Bailey as the writer, and even in the Bible, there's these guardian angels that are there to see us through. Now, this shouldn't surprise us. In 1943, when Philip Stern produced this this movie. I'm sure that Mr. Stern knew about these Bible characters of angels. The majority of America was following Christ, were showing up to church, that was listening to preachers every Sunday uh, about the Bible truths, and there was these angels. So he inserted this salvation, if you will, in the storyline of the movie, this Emmanuel. And sometimes the Emmanuel is with us and brings angels. The prophet Isaiah also wanted to include this when the people were down, upset, angry, things looked dark, God's intervention through this Emmanuel, through this Son of God, the Savior would be with his people. So this morning, my friends, I want to remind you, whatever you're going through, that you can have a wonderful Christmas because there is an Emmanuel that will walk with you. On your way out today, you're going to be handed a, a little red card with one word, with. And I would encourage you to take that home and, and place that someplace. Maybe put it in your purse or your counter someplace and just maybe in your sock drawer or something. And every time you see this, to remind yourself that God is not far off, that God is with us, and we can have a wonderful Christmas because God is with us. Maybe you're going through some dark times. Maybe you're not certain of your future. What I want, I want to encourage you to look for God. I just know God well enough that sometimes he just shows up and gives us some gifts. He gives us some reminders. It might be some big miracles or it could be some very small um, provisions in our life that we can just kind of exhale and relax that God is large and in charge. It is true. Christmas is wonderful because we have a God who is with us. I'm going to encourage you to stand with me this morning as we kind of close out in prayer. Father, I'm so grateful that we can proclaim a wonderful Christmas because we have a wonderful God. And God, in your ways, you, you do and uh, should judge us sometimes and bring some consequences to help us to wake up um, when we get our eyes off of you. 
But God, we've learned through this Christmas story, and especially as we're learning through the book of Isaiah, that no matter how dark it gets, God, you're going to bring that hope. You're going to bring that light, and that you bring the Emmanuel, the God that walks with us. Father, we think of people that might be online today, people here in our midst that, that are struggling. Maybe they received some bad news, some concerning news. Maybe there's some challenges at work or in their family or in their body. There are people that privately struggle with depression, loneliness, and things don't look well. But God, today I pray that your spirit and maybe this message, maybe even this movie would inspire them to know that they are not alone. You will never leave us. You will never forsake us. Now, before we go, God, maybe this movie reminds us that someplace we might have acted out. Maybe we had lost our temper. Maybe we have said things or done things to family members or others, God, that we're ashamed of, you're ashamed of. Would you forgive us, God, when we've lost our cool, when we'd used some uh, ungodly words uh, that embarrassed you, embarrassed us? Forgive us our trespasses, we pray. And God, help us today to, to be people of light uh, wherever we go this week, that there is a wonder, and it can live in us, and we can experience a wonderful Christmas. Help us now as we go. We ask these things in your name. Amen and amen.